Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. I'm your guest host, Rod Hatley of Hatley Law Group here in San Diego. And today, I have the pleasure to speak with a colleague of mine, Dustin Nichols of Dustin I. Nichols APC, based in Newport Beach, California. Dustin, welcome to the program. Rod, thanks for having me, and it's certainly a pleasure to be here. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, You're an attorney, and you focus in the areas of estate planning and also asset protection. Can you briefly explain uh, what asset uh, protection using exemption planning is? I know that's something that you uh, specialize in, and I know it it, it can be very valuable for your clients. And can you talk a little bit about that and help the listeners understand what that's all about and how it can be valuable for folks who live in California? Absolutely. It's probably a good idea. Just take a step back for a second and kind of set set out the legal landscape that exists for California residents. You know, as it stands right now, I think there's 40 million lawsuits that are filed in the United States annually. Wow. 65% of those lawsuits are filed in New York and California. Like it. California has the uh, esteemed designation as one being one of the top three judicial hellholes. We used to be number one. Now we, we lost it to uh, a couple of others. So now we're number three. But still, you know, it's a choppy place to live uh, if, if, you're, if, if it's an issue of um, trying to protect yourself. Uh, California also has legislation that, that's helped to, to achieve that, that number three ranking, including AB5, which uh, it's that legislation basically makes everybody and their dog an employee. Here in California, com- big companies like trucking companies are struggling now with uh, potential PAGA claims, with wage and hour lawsuits that are coming at them. There's potential personal liability. So you know it's it's you know it's it's a choppy, tumultuous legal climate in California. And business owners are always looking for ways to effectively try and protect themselves. And unlike a lot of the other uh, asset. Pro- strategies and, and schemes that exist, exemptions are always your number one first line of defense. And it doesn't matter what state you live in. But you know, in some states, obviously, these exemption statutes, these are statutes that, uh, that are, you know, in the legislature and their infinite wisdom create that carve off limitations and, and also um, protections against certain categories of assets. Uh, California doesn't exactly have the most robust exemptions. But it does have a new enhanced homestead. Yes, it does. It used to be a, a small 75,000 individual, 100,000 for married couple, 175 if you were a senior, you know, over 65 or disabled. You know, now it's a minimum of 300, maximum of 600. Right. Depending on the county you live in and the median sale price of a single family home from the year before adjusted for inflation. So it's a, it's a county by county analysis, but it's a lot better than it certainly was before in here in Orange County. I think the new exemption is $678,387 adjusted for inflation. So there's a nice chunk of equity you can now, you know, rely on. And if you haven't impaired it, you know, in other words, you know, you don't have a loan that's on it encumbering that 
uh, that that equity or pairing that homestead, then you you've got a nice little chunk of, of equity there that's you know at least uh, protected against money judgments. But you know, but there's there are other exemptions, and we're you know we're going to talk a little bit more about about those in a little bit. One specifically that protects a California's right to their private retirement. Okay, and what are the common risks and threats to personal and business assets that people should be aware of? Sure. I mean, there's there's really you know two types of liability. You know, especially for business owners, there's inside liability and there's outside liability. Um, inside liability is the, the liability inside the company, right? That uh, is inherently you know that those that inherently that those assets are subject to those liabilities in the business. You know, so whatever the company owns and and its value, that's always a you know something that's by way of a, you know of concern and that worthy of of some additional planning and some thought. Um, but also outside of that is well, what you've acquired individually, personally, you know, from all of your efforts over the years. You know, your your vacation homes, your marketable securities, you know, your real estate. I mean, there's all kinds of you know outside assets that you know I'm, that you want to have protections against. Rel insurance is great, but the problem with the rel insurance is that it doesn't cover a lot of things, including in, intentional wrongs, criminal restitution. You know, if you're, you let somebody borrow your your ATV um, and they get in an accident, it's not listed on policy. I mean, there's lots of those exclusions, you know, but insurance is great for two things. One, creating a legal defense fund that will pay your defense so you're not writing checks to your lawyers to defend you. And then obviously a pot of money to to help settle with a creditor. And obviously the planning you do on your personal balance, around your personal balance sheet is going to make that more likely to happen than not, because creditors, especially if there's huge judgment. So, for instance, if there's a huge outside uh, liability, you personally, yeah, you know, you get in a catastrophic accident, right. um, you know, then you, you're going to want to have something in place to help protect yourself against those, right. those potential exposures. Okay, well, thank you for uh, clarifying that. And can you share with the listeners what are the legal methods or strategies that are available? For exemption planning here in California, yeah. First, it's always you know you want to maximize all of your uh, your current exemptions. So, like we like I mentioned earlier, making sure your homestead exemption is not impaired, and looking at some of the other little exemptions. But the PRT, the Private Retirement Trust, you know, that's based upon the Private Retirement Plan exemption, is a huge opportunity for for business to recharacterize otherwise exposed personal you know, retirement assets, assets they're looking to, to sustain and maintain their lifestyle through retirement, you know, to be able to recharacterize those as exempt retirement assets over on the other side. And so that, you know, in my opinion, and I've devoted, you know, pretty much the last 10 years of my life perfecting platform that can capture and, and maximize this particular exemption, I think it's the most effective. Now, obviously other traditional um, methods are still uh, you know, build on top of that are important. LLCs, limited partnerships, using revocable trusts and other you know, things in traditional estate planning before any problems have, have come down the pipe. You know those are obviously all in play as well. But I think you know that you know ultimately your first line of defense beyond the insurance are exemptions. And so to overlook those, to not maximize those, is shortchanging your your ability to effectively protect yourself. Well, the question I've got is, are there particular ones that you specialize in or would recommend? I mean, you, you may have hinted at it with the uh, private retirement 
uh, trust. But are there is there anything else perhaps that that you uh, focus on? Um, no, those are those are my primary. The PRT is is my primary focus here at the firm. Again, it's specific only to California. So me being a California lawyer, that puts me right smack dab in the middle of where it's most useful, advantageous, and so that's that's pretty much what I what I focus my my practice on. Okay. Well, let's say how can uh, an individual or a business owner assess their specific asset protection needs? I mean, obviously, that's really where you excel. But how would someone who's listening to this podcast make that assessment or that determination? You know, I probably ought to you know talk to someone like Justin. How would I'm sorry, Dustin, and make sure that talk to Justin too, if you like. (laughs) But make sure that you know they're not missing opportunities uh, to protect themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've always been a big fan of due diligence. I was formerly a partner over at Brown and Straza for a few years and very heavy in due diligence. And I think that's really where you start. And I call it the phase one PR2 diligence engagement. And that's where we take in all the the data, their financial information, and, and not to ignore the facts and circumstances surrounding them at the time that they're looking at doing some planning, whether there are any um, claims that are either pending, threatened, or expected. And we do a full vetting on those because in some cases, with doctors, they may have three or four lawsuits against them at all times. Oh, wow. That doesn't mean that they can't plan. And a lot of the cases, they're just named because they're part of the doctor group, right? And they didn't actually see the patient. And because they're a defendant, well, there's a claim. Right. So we evaluate those and using a a 1988 uh, bankruptcy court case called Enray Zonix, um, which is persuasive. It's not mandatory authority, but very helpful. And I think is useful to help establish what we call a contingent liability. So to the extent that there is a potential um, contingent liability, then we make sure we set aside that those assets. Why? So we can thwart any allegation of uh, intent to defraud. Right. This is one of the five tests under Uniform Voidable Transactions Act. So and we get hired, actually, believe it or not, by other uh, bankruptcy firms that have um, and have clients that have done asset protection plans okay. to review those to see if, well, if we had to take them into court, how they might fare. In sure, budge, right? And interestingly enough, there's a lot of detail that sometimes gets, often sometimes gets overlooked. Oh yeah, no doubt. Consideration, no respecting corporate formalities, no bank accounts inside the entities, you know. And, and that's not to say that, that all of them are like that, but there's a big chunk of them done by, well, folks that probably um, didn't pay the uh, necessary attention to those details. And we want to make sure that we I- isolate and highlight that so clients don't find themselves in worse situations than and they had done nothing at all, right? Sure. So, so phase one is real important to get, get, get our arms around everything that's there, everything that's been done. Um, understanding what, uh, again, the total facts and circumstances, because ultimately you got to walk, clients got to walk into this solvent, right? Yeah. And if, if there's something out there that tips that solvency, that's another test that we just violate and put a creditor in a good position to succeed against that, that client. So phase one, that due diligence imperative to really getting and setting the landscape for ourselves to plan in well, going forward, whether we decide to do so, I've had to Turn away engagements because, well, that was close. Um, you know, other ones look, you know, very, they're small contingent liabilities. Great. We set that and uh, those amounts aside and we plan around it for that client's retirement. Can you share any real life examples 
or case studies where exemption planning made a significant impact for your clients? Oh, absolutely. In fact, one of the first cases that I went to court on had to do with an elderly gentleman, 70 years old, that uh, owned a um, electric company, uh, um, electric service company, was one of the exclusive contractors that serviced school districts around the state of California, had a lot of subs, been very successful. 50 years uh, in business, came to me to do some estate planning like 20 years ago, and I was able to get some basic stuff in place. But he was a procrastinator, and he really didn't see any need to do any additional planning. He was kind of one of those guys, I pay my bills, I, I resolve my differences, everyone loves me, I pay my taxes, what could go wrong? Well, it's the unknowns not the things that we know and think about, the risks that we identify that ultimately wind up trying to bite us. It's the stuff we don't know about yet. And that's what I try to get out by way of a message is don't plan for the things necessarily you think are going to happen. Plan for the ones you don't know that are they're there that are ultimately going to potentially bite you and want to be prepared. So in this case, in this individual's case, he was paid by the school district, by this, or, you know, by the school district through the state, and the state budget crisis started um, way back in, I think it was 2013, 2014, this individual kind of felt the writing on the wall because, well, he wasn't getting paid, but yet, you know, was still viable, still working. But he said, you know, I'm a little concerned. I better do something. And, well, he did appear to you with me, actually one of the first ones I ever did. Wow. And, and, and we were able to justify putting into his plan about three million bucks. Wow. Part of we included the sale proceeds of his home. His wife had passed away and he wanted, he got remarried and wanted to sell his big place and wanted to buying a, a smaller place. But by actually putting money into the PRT and borrowing it out a year and two days after we created the plan and fully secured by a deed of trust on with commercially reasonable terms and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, again, at this point, we didn't know what was coming to the extent of what happened. And what happened was a couple of years went by. And he had to put his company into a chapter 11 because the, the subs were biting at his heels, saying we get paid and the state wasn't, state wasn't paying him. And he said, well, all right, well, I, you know, I hope I'll be able to reorganize yeah. my company. And the two things you need to reorganize uh, under chapter 11 are you need to be able to show that the creditors are going to get more than they would have got had you filed a seven liquidation right. Right. Um, and that it was feasible, meaning that you could make some kind of a plan payment to the creditors. In this case, he couldn't do number two because the state still wasn't paying. And so the, the bankruptcy trustee converted his chapter 11 on a motion to convert to a chapter seven liquidation. What that did, no one saw this coming, was trigger the withdrawal liability. It existed under the collective bargaining agreements with the electrical contractors union backed by the Department of Justice. They bankrolled this. And when that happened, who knew this was coming? Because he owned the business or the property that his business ran on under the MPAA rules, ERISA law, right, became personally liable for the full amount of the withdrawal liability, which was over $2 million. Oh, my goodness. And so here he is. He's 70 years old. He's got COPD. You know, he can barely breathe. We did a three-year plan, which is well under the, the term that I would like to do or feel comfortable doing. But for him, because of his age... And where we needed to get to, to be able to maintain and sustain his retirement need, we funded, advance funded a lot of that. Ultimately, on the eve of a summary judgment motion brought by the Electrical Contractors Union, he had to file for a personal bankruptcy. And he did. And when we scheduled the um, PRT, not as an exempt asset, but as excluded. And why is that? 
because of the, when I get too technical, but there's the way we built PRT, it has certain anti-alienation provisions. Now, inclined to them direct control. This is why they don't have good direct control over their PRT. We have an independent trustee, licensed okay. and an insurer. Because of that and those anti-alienation provisions, it's considered a excluded asset, not an asset subject to the bankruptcy estate when he okay. filed. Sure. Which created a lot more opportunity at that point. The PRT actually acted in a large capacity as a defense fund, otherwise wouldn't have been available. And while we went to court and the uh, bankruptcy trustee and creditor, they couldn't, they couldn't figure out how to attack it very well. It's not something I think that they've readily seen too often. Point being is you have to, to attack the PRT in bankruptcy, you have to file what's called an application excuse me, an objection to the claim of exemption within 30 days of the conclusion of the 341A hearing, which is a meeting of the creditors. Right. And they couldn't figure out how to attack it. So they continued the 341A hearing 28 times. Oh, wow. Ultimately, Judge Smith down in Orange County, she, she's since retired. She was, a, she was a great judge. Finally said, time to put up or shut up. Take it. And, you know, we got a favorable ruling and it, and it went, to, she ordered us, there were some open items. She sent us to mediation. And what it did was it created the right environment for a settlement that otherwise didn't exist when the other side thought that they could just roll over you. In this case, it was even sad because the client wound up passing away right in the middle of the bankruptcy. So the executor became the substituted debtor to finish. But here's the bottom line is the two heirs that, that stood to basically get nothing. Right. If we, if we weren't successful, um, wound up getting a sizable inheritance. Fabulous. And passed pursuant to the estate planning we did for the client. So in my opinion, that was a big win. Whenever you can create something that puts up enough legal justification to push back, <laughs> uh, then you've got something. I know, and you, that doesn't exist in a lot of other areas, especially when we're talking about protection, right? Now, the PRT has to be primarily purposed for retirement. So we ultimately made sure that was very clear in the sure. paperwork, in the surrounding analytics, in the insolvency affidavit. And when I went to mediation, at Adjudica West, when you know, to ultimately settle this claim, the judge asked me, the first question was, was the client solvent when he entered into this transaction? Out comes our solvency affidavit. Out comes the net worth statement that attaches to it. Out comes the full disclosure and due diligence findings of the, of the lawsuit that has existed at the time that we created it in all of our defenses. And interestingly enough, the, the, the mediator, he turned to me and he said, where do I get one of these? <laughs> And so I knew at that time, at that point, that what we were working with had some real valid underpinnings and that it was worth spending more time developing and creating something that could be offered in a, in a, in a, in a larger scale to, to the wealthy business owner clients here in California. What are some of those common mistakes that people make when they attempt to protect assets and they don't hire an attorney to do it? And I'm sure you've seen horror stories, but I just want to understand, you know, what you've seen because I think it would help the listeners. I realize that they really shouldn't try to do this on their own. They really need the help of a professional. Gosh, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, what I see most often that really is, you know, uh, is sad as well as concerning is people that try to put their homes in LLCs, in their principal residences, thinking that they're going to protect them, only to find out find out that all they've done is impair their homestead exemption. They lost. And they lose the 121 exclusion, you know, that they get from capital gains on sale too. And so it's like what they thought they were doing was great, but they didn't check with the lawyer. Yeah. They didn't really do the research necessary to see if what I'm doing is going to hurt me more than help me. And, and that's the theme. 
there's a lot of folks out there that look, they want to do something to help themselves. And, you know, self-help is great, but I wouldn't go and perform my own open heart surgery. And so I wouldn't recommend anybody that isn't, not even lawyers, for the most part, understand this area of law, unless they've been immersed in it. Of course. Yeah. There's a lot of so-called asset protection lawyers that you don't have to, to get a certification from the bar to call yourself one, right? But, you know, it's really about experience and understanding and knowledge in, in the areas beyond just setting up a trust. Right. You know, really knowing because, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's the bankruptcy lawyer that's going to have to take whatever you have. Right. Try to defend it or, or not. Um, if, you know, cause they're the, they're the, you know, the attorney of last resort, and right? A lot of workouts can be very successful utilizing good bankruptcy lawyers. If you get to that point where there's that catastrophic event, either, you know, in business or personal that creates potential for a large liability. And you want to be able to have the tools right. to give to the attorney, the, the bankruptcy lawyer to, well, go in and do their job to get you out. In the with, without the least amount with the least amount of pain, you know, and expense. Okay, share with our listeners the type of client that can really benefit uh, from exemption planning here in California, and when should they be seeking assistance from a professional like yourself? The answer to that is as soon as possible. Okay, don't wait for something to happen, right? You know, to try and do something—that's the worst scenario under any circumstances. But you know, I've had clients who call me that have lower net worths and they're just trying to preserve things like their own. Right. And, you know, they have a mortgage and it's very traditional in the pre-bankruptcy planning to pay down mortgages, to open up and free up your homestead exemption, say for instance, right? That's when stuff stuff's already gone on or even not, if what you're really trying to do is, is again, maximize those exemptions, then you could do that ahead of time too. I mean, you're just being smart about how you impair your homestead. But, you know, for those that want to do a little bit more, and protect a lot more, and they're the right they're the right candidate. In other words, you know, there's nothing going on around them that's catastrophic that we can justify doing something, doing some retirement planning, and the PRT is is a really is a really great choice. And folks that are the ideal candidates for that type of planning for the integrated exemption planning using this retirement exemption are folks that you know are five million in net worth and above, make more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And, you know, have a horizon to retirement more than five years. You know, I, we do a minimum five-year plan, you know, but in, and because it's non-qualified, non-ERISA, you're not subject to the rules, restrictions, prohibitions, and penalties. So you can set your retirement age lower. Uh, it doesn't have 65. We don't have RMDs. We don't have to worry about the, the required minimum distributions and, and things like that. And the age is relevant to those. And so it really does create more of a flexible environment to take advantage of a very potent tool available to California business owners and residents. Let's see, how do you approach each client's uh, situation? Obviously, every client is unique, and I'm sure there's not a a one-size-fits-all approach to this, but uh, can you share with the listeners, how do you approach each client when they, you know, talk to you and they want to retain your services to use the exemption planning to protect assets, et cetera? Sure. Well, first, I offer a a free 30-minute consultation. Um, I show them what I call my, what I, what I dubbed as the PRT uh, six slide primer. And so we'll get on a zoom call and I'll show my six slides, explain the underpinnings, what exemptions are, how they differ from, from other, other things in, in the protection world. 
and drill down on specifically the private retirement plan statute and the, how the trust works, and what kind of assets are appropriate in, in funding matrices, and, and then go through uh, the steps, um, which are, you know, we talked about a little bit already, phase, you know, if it's something of interest to them and they want to move forward, we'll go through phase one, our PRT due diligence engagement. And, you know, then we'll figure out if they're good candidates, give them an opportunity to ask all the right questions, bring in their advisors, educate them, including their financial advisors, because we obviously want to work in concert in a very team-oriented approach. The days of being an island and planning for a client are over, have been for a while, um, but even more important now that we integrate. So we go through all that, and of course, and then vet out any claims that are pending, threatened, or expected. We get through phase one, and we implement, we go into phase two. And that means we've already determined they're good candidates, clients have educate, they're educated on it, they feel comfortable in moving forward with it. And phase two is creating and implementing, and that's where we bring in our retirement appraiser to do a formal deep, a formal deep dive into their retirement need, including cash flow analysis. So we understand exactly what it is we have to work with. We don't want to impair a client's lifestyle. We want them to be able to live like they, like they ordinarily do, but at the same time, take the fat off the table. Um, and move it into that protected locker, right? So that it's there and can, will continue to grow in that protected environment to ensure that their retirement need is, is met. And, you know, that retirement need, the money that we've justified and the assets we've justified to go into that is protected under the statute. The distributions that um, come out at retirement age are also protected and should be set, a, set aside separately in a separate distribution account. So it's not to commingle it with non-exempt assets yeah. and the death benefit too, as we talked about. So, and then, then we, then we have to maintain these and, I, and the yeah. company, and just to kind of point out, this is employer, employer sponsor. You have to be an employee of your company. You can be your own company. Company pays for everything. It's all tax deductible. Yeah. And the company also hires our, our administrative service, retirement exemption administrators to administer basically is the support service for our trustee our tax uh, accountants and things that file the returns for the PRT. So there is an ongoing um, maintenance and sustaining of the plan. And it's not static. We meet once a year and we check engage to see if there's any changes. If you're making more money, you've acquired more assets, possible to regear the plan to accommodate that additional because you'll need to, right? Nothing static. May have nothing changed. We don't need to do anything at all. But but maintaining these are very important. We just don't hand off binders and say, have a nice life for this tool work. Sure. You, you got to maintain them. Got it. Got it. And I guess the last question for our time today, are there any specific industries or professions that face higher asset protection risks and what steps can they take to mitigate those? No, absolutely. I mean, the obvious professions that stand out are doctors, lawyers, architects, construction companies and, you know, business owners, uh, financial advisors, wealth managers, real estate developers, trucking industries, trucking companies, if you will. Anything that has an inherent high risk profile are the obvious choices. But I don't think there's a business owner out there that frankly couldn't benefit from it. Sure. Simply because again, it's the unknowns that come and bite you. It's not the stuff that you really plan for and think about. Right. My light just went off. <laughs> there we go. On a time. Sorry, I have to edit that out. That's uh, 
But you know, it, you know, just to kind of highlight a, a real fact pattern that you know wound up being the essence of the introduction of my article that I draft that I wrote and published for the Orange County Lawyer Magazine in June this year was a gentleman who called me, who used to be an ex-manager of a very famous rock band, and he had amassed a nice little eight million dollar uh, purse for himself that he called his retirement. That wasn't in any any particular protected wrapper. It was just in brokerage accounts and. He had an autistic son that he was taking care of, um, 70 years old. He has a wife uh, that had uh, cancer you know, that he obviously was trying to treat and take care of. And, and he, he left the music business, became a professional diver, and in the Professional Divers Hall of Fame, and was under contract with the Cayman Islands the Bahamas to provide instruction to their diving industry on safety practices, you know, best practices and so forth. That, you know, he was driving down the freeway up by his, up by his home, up in Northern California, and he was trying to. He was a second lane over, trying to get off the freeway, and and well, he was. He saw his exit coming, and he looked, and he didn't see anybody. He went to go change lanes, and changed lanes, and wham! A lady on a motorcycle, thirty-eight years old, a Microsoft executive, making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, single mom, two kids, six and ten, just slams into the back of him and dies instantly. Lickens. Now that could happen to anybody. You or me, you know, our neighbors. You know, it's just not something we think about, and and that just obviously set the ball in motion for a lot of catastrophic things to fall. Called me and said, "I need a PRT." I told him, "My cat's out of the bag. The toothpaste's out of the tube." But I don't know how to say it. But that's so catastrophic. You're looking at a thirty million dollar judgment. Oh, didn't have any insurance. He had three hundred thousand of automobile coverage. So ultimately, guess what? The next thing is, well, let's take a look at what you have, what's exempt and what's not. Thankfully, he had his house paid off and he lived in a in a county where he got the full exemption, but that $8 million is gone. Oh my goodness. I'm sure sorry to hear that. Yeah. How can folks, how can the listeners contact you? What's your contact information? Sure, sure. Um, well, I'm located at 5120 Birch Street, Suite 100 in Newport Beach. My email is Dustin Nichols ESQ at dynapc.com. So that's spelled D-U-S-T-I-N-N-I-C-H-O-L-S-E-S-Q at D-I-N-A-P-C.com. Um, phone number here at the office is 949-240-1101. Those are our main contact details. And our website, which should be up in a few weeks, it would be under uh, www.dinapc.com. Thanks for listening. This has been Legacy Leaders Podcast with your guest host, Rod Hatley, interviewing Dustin Nichols of Dustin I. Nichols APC in Newport Beach, California. And we will put his contact information in the notes and we'll also link it to the show notes for uh, those of us, those of you who are listening. Thank you so much for sharing the time. Uh, Dustin, a real pleasure to uh, speak to you about exemption planning and how it can be helpful for listeners out there. Thanks again. Absolute pleasure to be here, and um, you're more than welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.